And you guys can grab a seat. That's, that's awesome. Everybody can grab a seat. Thank you very much. Well, I'm fresh from our men's camp last weekend. So I've gone from the C3 Darwin men's camp with 50 guys out in the bush um, to the Adelaide Hills all week, which is quite a, um, quite a, although I was very happy when we got here, one of the first things we did was we went and had an Argentinian barbecue. We were cooking all the meat over the open fire. It was like, it's pretty much what we did last weekend as well. But I've got to share this. I've got an iconic territory kind of experience from last weekend. This is hot off the press, this one. This is like, this is just living life in, in the territory. We had our men's camp, as I said, and we go to the same campground every year and there's a, there's a creek that, that, runs, that runs past it. And you're like, in theory, there could be a crocodile in there. But eight years of church camps and family camps with kids and uh, men's camps, never seen a crocodile. Um, but uh, last Saturday night, last Friday night, I was, we were all sitting around the campfire and the way we'd done it is the, the campsite spread out along the creek and there's a group up that end and they were the snorers. And so I was like, I'm not, I'm not putting my swag up that end. There was another group up there and they were kind of all the newbies and the ground was kind of a bit bumpy and, and slant. So I'm like, I'm not sleep, sleeping up there. And so I just put my swag right down by the creek in the middle all by myself and thought, you know what, I'm going to get a beautiful, peaceful night's sleep down here. We're sitting around the campfire and telling a few stories and the campfire was, was in the middle, which was near my, my swag. And uh, so my swag's kind of like where, the, where those glass doors are away from where we were sitting and all of a sudden in the pitch black darkness sitting around the campfire we just heard the most ferocious splash and just something's going on in the water what is going on we never heard there's only one thing that could be and so the guys jumped up with a spotlight ran down to my swag and my swag was kind of like here and right there is where the creek is so it was pretty close and they're standing there and sure enough, there's a one and a half metre croc, which is only a little croc, but a bit of excitement for us. It's like, okay, no, it is true. So it's not just in theory there could be crocs in this creek. So we, we, had, a, we had an awesome croc sighting in the wild of a, of a croc down at our men's camp, which was awesome. We scared it off, so. Oh, I just slept like a baby. I'm bigger than that croc. If it was a two and a half metre croc, I might have moved my swag, but... I wasn't too worried about that one. But anyway, so there you go. There's a, there's, a, there's a territory experience for us and I'm here to tell the tale. So don't worry about that. It's all good. So uh, I'm excited actually to share with you this morning out of Philippians chapter 1 and around your series on scent. You know you've got, a, you've got a theme, right? This is your theme for the year on being sent by Jesus. So... Uh, who's been able to share the gospel with somebody this year as you've been encouraged to be sent by Jesus to share the gospel? A few hands going, that's awesome. I, I'm hoping that uh, after this message, there'll be a few more uh, that have challenged and gently, as gently as a dove, I'm challenging you as gently as a dove to share your faith with people out there because, man, people need Jesus. As we're singing there, lifting our hands and singing about the reign of Jesus and the presence of God is here in this place. There's peace. People out there don't experience that peace. They need to. They're looking for it, often in all the wrong places. They're looking for the peace of God. 
and we actually have it. And Jesus has told us to actually go and share that with others. And so my prayer for you is that you're going to find opportunities. And here's the thing. My dad taught me this when I was a kid. He, he said, don't just go and tell people about, share your faith or pray the gospel or bash them over the head with, with, them, with the message. It's like, before you do that, just every morning, make it your prayer. It's like, God, the people that I meet today, if there's somebody that you're really wanting me to just reach out to with your word, with your encouragement, with your hope, just make it obvious to me who that person is. And so it's amazing when you start praying prayers like that, how people come, you come across the path of people and it's like, you know what, I feel like God has maybe put me and that person together in this moment just so I can show some love and some kindness and maybe that'll open a door to sharing the reason for my kindness and, and the hope that I have. And, and it's amazing what can happen from there, how God can use you just in the most normal, natural. It doesn't have to be weird. doesn't have to be awkward. Sometimes when you're first doing it, it's a little bit awkward. That's all right. You push through that. But after a while, it just becomes normal. There, my, my, my dad was part of an organisation. They had this thing. It was called Lifestyle Evangelism. It's just sharing your faith with people just in your everyday life. And I tell you, that's the best way to do it. So... Philippians 1, I need to get to the scripture. <laughs> Philippians 1. Paul writes this letter to the Philippian church. The context is he's just been arrested and put in jail in Rome. His future is uncertain. When you read the, when you read the chapter, you can see he's kind of processing it. He's like, I don't know, I, I think they might release me. But if they don't, if I live or whether I die... It's up, kind of up to God and he says, famous verses in there, it's like to live as Christ, to die as gain. It's like, I don't really mind if I die, I get to be with Jesus. It's like, you can just say, Paul, like, don't you want to live? <laughs> but Paul is just, just so caught up in, in a few things and that's what I want to look at right here. It's like his focus in life is on the gospel, the good news of Jesus. It's, it's what he's all about. He's just all about the gospel. In fact, in Philippians chapter 1, seven times in this chapter, the word gospel is used. As I was, as I was reading the, the passage just over and over, it's, it's a good way to read the Bible actually, read the scripture, you read a chapter and it's like, what are the most common words? It's like gospel, seven times the word gospel is used in Philippians chapter 1. Paul's pretty fixated on the gospel. Only once does he refer to the fact that he's just been arrested and put in prison. So he's more concerned about the gospel than he is about his arrest. You think in these days, what would people be writing about? It's like about how they've been put in jail, maybe unjustly. Like free me. They'd get a hashtag thing going about let me out of prison because this is unjust and I shouldn't be in prison for this. Or woe is me or down and depressed. But all he's writing about is the gospel. And... What he, what he actually says is there's those seven statements about the gospel come into three themes. And I want to share with you the three themes of Philippians chapter, Philippians chapter 1 concerning the gospel. And the first one is the call to advance the gospel. So if you're writing down points, write point number one, the call to advance the gospel. Paul writes this 
in verse 12. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So before you feel too sorry for me, before you start having hashtag campaigns to get me out of this place, actually you need to know this, what's happened to me has happened, has actually resulted in the advancement of the gospel. So it's actually good because I'm more concerned about the gospel being advanced than I am about my own personal safety and security. That's the way Paul thinks. That is, that is actually part of what the gospel does to us in our life as it transforms us, as we embody what the gospel message is. As all of a sudden we realise, you know what? It's not all about me. It's actually all about Jesus and his message and his life getting out there and being known by people. And so Paul says, you know, because I've been put in jail for the gospel, everybody now knows why I've been arrested. Because I haven't committed any other crime. I haven't bashed anyone up. I didn't murder anyone. I haven't been extorting anybody. I haven't been doing anything illegal. They're just worried because I just keep telling people about Jesus and it's, and it's causing a few people to get upset. So they've put me in jail. But the gospel is getting advanced. And everyone's talking about why has he been arrested? Oh, because he's been talking about this Jesus guy. Oh, who's this Jesus guy? And all of a sudden, the gospel's going out. And Paul's like, bring it on. I'll stay here as long as I need to, as long as the gospel is advancing. What a, what a mindset for us. The gospel being advanced through our life. Sometimes it's, it's a good thing for us to challenge our priorities. It's like, what's the most important thing to you right now? Now, Paul, he was... He was a tent maker, he ran his business, he had a life, he would have enjoyed the Argentinian barbecue, cooking the meat over the fire. But that wasn't the most important thing to him. You never know, he might have been building a deck on the back of his house. That's awesome. But it wasn't the most important thing to him. The most important thing to him was seeing the gospel advanced. And do you know what? I reckon when we've got our priorities in order, when we're living for the message of Jesus, to be advanced throughout the world. All of these other things are awesome, but we know that, you know what, if push comes to shove, I can let that go for the time being and pursue this, the message of the gospel going forward. The word gospel, I probably should clarify, if, if, if you're unsure about what gospel means, it literally means good news. So... It's a word that's been anglicised that literally means good news. So when we're talking about the, the gospel going forward, the gospel events, it's the good news of Jesus, which there's so many different ways to articulate the good news of Jesus. Like the, the shortest way would be to say, your past is forgiven, new life in the present, and eternal hope for the future. That's, that's one way of expressing the gospel. The way I like to, to express the gospel uh, often when I'm, when I'm preaching in our church and knowing that there's new people coming in, is a simple message to say, God came to earth in the form of a man, Jesus Christ. He lived the life that we should have lived. He died the death that we should have died in our place. And on the third day, he rose from the dead 
And now he's alive and he offers forgiveness, salvation a new life to anyone who will turn from their old ways and begin to follow him. This is the gospel message. And it's open to everybody. Every single person. Every single person that lives in the Adelaide Hills, no matter how messed up, no matter how militant they are about certain things, that gospel message is for them. For every one of us. And the gospel message has the power to transform a life. But it needs to transform our lives. And Paul's like an extreme example. But on a scale of one to Paul, how, how, how committed are you to advancing the gospel in the Adelaide Hills, in your community, in your school, in your workplace, in the, in the community sporting clubs that you, that you belong to, seeing the message of Jesus not in a weird way or in a strange way, but just in a completely natural and normal way because people need to be set free by Jesus. So I want to encourage us to look at Paul's example and say, hey, let's be committed to advancing the gospel. And so that's the first thing that comes through from, from Paul in, in Philippians chapter 1, his commitment to promote the gospel. But he wasn't just praying, he wasn't just, sorry, wanting to promote the gospel himself, in Philippians chapter 1, we find out that he was praying and believing that all the Christians in Philippi would unite together for the same cause. It's verse 27 in Philippians chapter 1. He says, whatever happens, meaning whether I live or die, whether I get out of this prison or not, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then... Whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. That's his instruction to the church. If I, if I make it to see you or not, just do this. Just join together in faith for the gospel. And you know what? I like to think, imagine if all the churches did that. He wasn't just writing to, you know, I reckon if he was writing now, he'd be saying, okay, Baptists, Anglicans, C3, ACC, all the churches, hey, come on, let's unite together for the faith of the gospel going forward. It doesn't mean that, you know, we have to all become one or anything like that in terms of physically, but it means that we're in one spirit. We're not competing against each other. We're trying to reach a nation for Jesus. Let's, let's know what our lane is and let's encourage each other to run in our lane. There's people that those churches will reach that we never get to reach, but there's people that we'll reach that they'll never get to reach. And let's encourage and help and support one another as we do that. Unite together for the faith of the gospel. And I, find, I really feel that the longer time goes in our nation, the more and more we're going to realise we need each other. It's one of the benefits of being in Darwin for us is we're so remote from the rest of Australia is that there's a bunch of churches. That we know we need each other. And so we meet regularly, we pray together as pastors of the, of the churches, we support one another regularly and we've got a great sense of unity in our, in our town, which is awesome. But us being used to reach people for Christ. I remember when I was 21 years old, I travelled the world because I wanted to, I came from a small town, I just wanted to see the world and find out what God wanted me to do with my life. I was 21 and I bought a one-way ticket to London 
because I only had enough money for a one-way ticket. I had a two-year work visa, so I thought I'll, I'll get a job and then hopefully be able to afford to fly myself back at the end of it. So I went, I went to, ended up in Ireland, Southern Ireland. I was backpacking. I was, because when I was at university in Lismore, up in the far north coast of New South Wales, I lived in Ballina and I didn't always have enough money for fuel to get to the university. It was about half an hour drive. And so a couple of days a week I'd hitchhike and it was kind of what people did. Like there was a whole bunch of uni students who would always be hitchhiking. So some, one day I'm driving and I'd pick up all the hitchhikers and take them to uni. Another day I'd be the hitchhiker and, and, and take them to uni. And that, back in those days, this is the mid 90s. And so when I got to Ireland, I thought, oh, I'll just hitchhike. So I, so I ba had a backpack on my back and I had my thumb out and I would just stand on the side of the road in Ireland and just I did the whole lap of Southern Ireland just hitchhiking. And people would pick me up and say, oh, where are you going? I'm like, oh, I don't know, just get me on to the next town. I jumped the fence uh, as soon as I got into a little village, find a, a paddock as the sun was going down because I had a tent and I just put my little tent up and, and cook some baked beans or something. And, and then in the morning I'd wake up and hitchhike to the next town and I just wanted to see Southern Ireland where my mum's side of the family had come from. And anyway, I was just having this, I was having this great old time just hitchhiking around Southern Ireland. And one day I, I arranged with a friend that I was going to meet on such and such a date, this is before mobile phones and all that sort of stuff, such and such a date at such and such a time at the Arch, which is in the park in the centre of Galway City. And so all I knew, that was my only thing, is I had to get to Galway City by midday on the, on the Saturday, uh, on the Sunday, sorry. Midday on the Sunday, I have to get to Galway City. So anyway, I went into to Galway. I didn't realise it was a big city. And there was nowhere for me to kind of jump the, the fence and put my tent up. And I didn't really have a lot of money. So I, anyway, I went to the backpackers and oh, I just want one night in the dorm, you know. And they're like, oh, sorry, mate, we're all booked out. I'm like, oh, okay, where are the other backpackers? He's like, mate, they're all going to be booked out. There's such and such festival on this weekend. You had to book months ago. So sure enough, I went to a couple other backpackers. No, nah, can't sleep here. So I thought, oh, well, Saturday afternoon, I'll just start walking out of town until I get out of town into a paddock where I can put my tent up. So I walked out of the, out of the town. It's getting late at night, 11 o'clock at night, and all of a sudden I walk past the Greyhound Racing Stadium and the big gate is open about that far. I'm just like, oh, okay, I'll go in here. And so I slept in the grandstand of the Greyhound Stadium <laughs> all night. And then, but the sun wakes up, so the sun rises at like 3.30 in the morning in the middle of summer. And so I had like three hours sleep, woke up, couldn't sleep anymore, turned around, walked back into town. By the time I got into town, it's about five o'clock in the morning and there's a group of homeless guys sitting in the park. And I'm thinking, okay, I've got till midday to meet my friend here. It's 5 a.m. So I just went over to the homeless guys and they've been drinking all night and, and all that and sort of said g'day. And when I was, they realised I was Australian, they all wanted to talk to me and it was cool. And then I just got talking to one guy and all of a sudden I had that feeling that I talked about at the start of the, of the message where I think God wants me to talk to this guy about Jesus. And so I said to the guy, I said, should we go and get breakfast somewhere? And he said, yeah, yeah, sure. McDonald's opens at 6.30. So there's a McDonald's at the park. So I went, we went over to McDonald's at 6.30. I bought him breakfast and for an hour shared the gospel with him. 
he was weeping, gave his life to Jesus in McDonald's at like 7 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday morning. The only reason was because I couldn't find anywhere to sleep that night. Wow. It's like that I'd be, end, I'd be talking to this guy in the first place. And it's amazing how God will work through circumstances in your life. And I'm like whinging about, I, no, I couldn't get a bed at the backpackers, couldn't find anywhere to put my tent up. I'm whinging because I only had three hours sleep. And it's like, but God's like, hey, all of those things meant that I got to talk to this guy. It's, yeah, praise God for that. So it's Sunday morning, 7.30, he's a brand new Christian. I'm like, okay, well, we should go to church because I've still got 12 o'clock. Yeah. You know, I'm like, let's kill some time, let's find a church. And I said, are there any kind of churches around? There's like a few cathedrals. And I'm like, no, 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 like, you know, finding out. He said, you know what, there is, there is a church group that I know about. Um, they meet in such and such a place, we'll go there. I know where they are. I'm like, okay, cool. So off we went. We walked into the service at like 9 o'clock, 9.30, whatever time it was, just before church. And I tell you, they saw us coming. It's like me, a backpacker, who, I don't know, I was pretty scruffy looking, him and the homeless guy. They saw us coming. And all of a sudden, before we got to the front door, there was a whole crowd of people. And they're all like, what are you doing here? And they weren't talking to me. They were talking to him. Because as it turned out, they had a group that would go into the park every Friday night and witness to the homeless guys. And this guy had been witnessed to by them over a period of months and months and they were, could not believe that here he was turning up at the church because he'd been so resistant <laughs> to what they were doing. And the next backstory is his brother was a famous pastor in London. And this guy was so backslidden and so resistant and so no, 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 because of whatever brokenness had happened in his upbringing. His brother is a big-time famous London pastor that everybody knew. And this guy, homeless guy in a park. And I'm just like thinking, oh, my gosh, how did I get to be part of this story? Yeah. It was crazy. It is crazy how God... You, you've got no idea how God can use you. See, I hadn't been to Bible college. I hadn't... I wasn't a leader in church. I was just a kid backpacking. But I knew that the Holy Spirit was just leaning on me. That's the only way I could describe it. It's like, and you know when the Holy Spirit's leaning on you, don't you? Sometimes it's before you sin and you get that, oh, don't, don't do it. But it's, that's not the only way the Holy Spirit leans on you. The Holy Spirit leans on you for positive. Hey, just, just do something nice for this person. Just... Just reach out to this person. Why don't you invite that person over for lunch? Why don't you, whatever. It could be a thousand things. We're just learning to respond to the leaning and the leading of the Holy Spirit. So whatever situation you find yourself in, there might be an opportunity to actually be used by God to advance the gospel. And Paul, he's sitting in a prison cell. And he says, mate, if this advances the gospel, well, bring it on. So a commitment and a call to advance the gospel. I've got three points. The next two, I'm just going to give you the titles, basically. Uh, the next one is the call to joy. Paul, Paul speaks about being in prison, but once again, he's focused on the joy that it brings him to see the gospel advancing. He talks about the joy that it brings him to see God's people working together 
And, and the, he, he talks about how ever since he's been in jail, other people have had to do the preaching. It's like if, if Bruce and, and John, I don't know who, how many preachers you've got here, but if Bruce and John went to jail for three months, somebody else has got to step up and preach, right? And a whole group of people. And Paul's writing from jail, says, you know what? It's awesome because now all these other people are preaching the gospel. Now there's heaps of preachers. He's actually, and, I, and he says, literally, I rejoice in this. I'll read it, Philippians 1, verse 18. But what does it matter? Because some people are questioning the motives. Oh, this person's only preaching because he wants everyone to think he's good. Well, this, but this person's preaching because they're true to the gospel. Paul's like, well, who cares? What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I praise God for what has happened to me. And I rejoice in what has happened to me. What an incredible insight. And an insight into perspective of life's difficulties. Not to get bitter and twisted when these things happen, but to actually learn to rejoice in what God is doing and find the positives in the situation. And for Paul, mate, as long as people are talking about Jesus, there's good that's coming out of this. The joy. He's not threatened by anyone else rising up. He's rejoicing by other people rising up. So if we focus, like Paul did, on the gospel message, it brings joy and rejoicing, regardless of external circumstances. All right, the third and final point, and I'll get the, the music team to come back if we can, is the call to sacrifice. We see from Paul's words his absolute willingness to sacrifice personally for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the message, for the sake of the gospel. Paul's like, you know what, if it costs me to see God's work done, that's fine. And I think that our generation, for many of us, we are a very uh, resistant to sacrifice generation. We're resistant to pain. We're, we're resistant to, like, we just, I don't, if there's an easy way, I'll take the easy way. I don't want to take the hard way. I'll take the easy way. I'll take the quick way. I'll take the shortcut. Often finding out that the shortcuts promised much but never delivered. We're called not just to believe. I'm going to close with this scripture. Or did I delete it from my notes because I'd written too much? I deleted it. Can you put up verse 23? Put it back in. There's a good chance that 23 may not be the verse I'm thinking of, but I'm having a go. I've thrown you in the deep end, haven't I? Oh, you're doing well. Doing real well. 
Well done. That's not the verse I wanted. Yeah, I know where that verse is. Anyway, the verse I'm thinking of, maybe you can read the verses and if you find it, put it up there. He says, we, have been, we haven't been called just to believe, but we've been called to suffer. Have you ever come across a Bible verse that you just wish wasn't in there? 29, there we go. We haven't been called just to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. We've been called to suffer for Christ. You know, he suffered for us, the godly for the ungodly. Unimaginable suffering that Jesus went through for us. He's not calling all of us to hang on a cross and die a violent death. But you need to understand that identifying with Christ at various times in life will cause suffering. It might be the suffering of rejection from friends. It might be the suffering of being picked on by a boss or a bully in the playground. It might be the lack of opportunities that are given to you to pr for promotion at work. But there's suffering in our context nonetheless. But you know what I find is that when you look at the history of the church, the gospel advances the most in the midst of adversity. And if we're committed to the advancement of the gospel, you need to understand that adversity is not your worst enemy. So if a government makes a rule that makes it harder to be a Christian, what if that turns out to advance the gospel? Will you be jumping up and down against that rule or will you be rejoicing? I like to think that Paul would be rejoicing. It's a different mindset, isn't it? Our true north, the highest cause, is for the advancement of the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is good news. It is good news that, you know, we get to be God's people again. When he created the earth, we were d designed to be his people. Now we get to be his people again because we say yes to Jesus. We'd fallen short. We'd fallen away. We were separated from God. And there's a whole world out there separated from God. But we're designed to be his people for eternity, to dwell in his glory, the glory of God forever. And surely anything that can happen in the here and now is just nothing compared to the glory of God for eternity that we get to enjoy and benefit from. And so as we, as we come to a close, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and, and bow your heads and just search your heart and ask God to search your heart and say, Lord, if I need to reorganize some priorities in my life. Maybe I need to rearrange my schedule so I can start a small group because the gospel will be advanced, because people will come and get to be encouraged and built up in the Word of God. If I need to reorganize my life to 
to serve in the, in the kids' church team because I look at all the kids that are coming to kids' church now, I think far out, we need more helpers out there so we can reach more people from our community so more people can come in because I want to see the gospel advance. If I need to change a few priorities in my life, if I need to make a few new commitments, if I need to be more front-footed in my faith, not keeping a low profile anymore. It's all right if everyone knows I'm a follower of Jesus. come to a close won't we all stand stand where we are and maybe just with every eye closed and head bowed still if you are feeling the lean of the Holy Spirit on you right now maybe you're not sure exactly what it's to do but it is just to respond to that lean and just say okay God in that direction I want to be I want to respond to the call to advance the gospel some of you there's a burning fire that God's going to put in you you are going to burn with a gift of evangelism to advance the gospel others you're responding to a sense of you know what I'm going to readjust my priorities and I'm going to learn to rejoice things that have happened because God's going to make a way to get the glory from that or I'm going to respond to the sacrifice I need to make to see the gospel advance in our community sacrificing time spent in prayer sacrificing giving sacrificing reputation whatever it costs for any of those things, or to respond to the lean of the Holy Spirit, would you just raise your hands right now? I want to pray a prayer over this congregation. Just saying, yeah, God, I want, to, I want to lean in to you more and more. I want to be used by you. I want to share the gospel. I want to see the gospel advance. I want to see the church grow and increase our reach. I want to see new churches, new, new congregations sprouting up advancing the gospel throughout our city. Father, I just pray right now. C3 Adelaide Hills, C3 Parkside, as people are standing, Lord God, responding to you, lifting their hands, saying, yeah, amen. Father, I just pray, Lord, for your Holy Spirit, for the fire of the Holy Spirit, to burn in our hearts for this commitment Lord God to the advancing of your gospel to be sent by you into this world as your people as your representatives with a message of faith hope and love with a message Lord God that brings healing with a message that brings reconciliation with a message Lord God and a message that's about to increase in volume throughout this whole city 
In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together. Thank the Lord.